coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the VIP Jazz War Report. There's a saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same. But today, my guest believes that things can change if you want them to change. He's got a new book out called Change Your Trajectory. He's the senior pastor and founder of the World of Faith Family Worship Cathedral in Atlanta, Georgia, with more than 20,000 members. He's also a leadership trainer, a conference speaker, and an, an author of many other books. And it's an honor to welcome to the show Bishop Dale Bronner. Welcome to hell, Bishop Dale. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad to be at the show. I don't, I don't know that you exactly called it that, but uh, we'll have fun, and it sounds like it's going to be hot. Well, how, how, no pun intended, but how the devil are you? <laughs> I'm doing absolutely <laughs> marvelously. Well, may Lord have mercy on you today, because I certainly won't. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Sir, many know you, but some don't. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in the in the business world. Um, uh, my dad started a, a hair cosmetic manufacturing business back in 1947, mm. and uh, and he had six sons. I'm number son number four out of six. Wow! And uh, so I, I grew up in that in that business uh, because dad had six sons. He didn't want to spoil us. He never gave us anything, never gave us an allowance. He gave us an opportunity to be able to earn money. So I started actually delivering newspapers when I was five years old. He took me out and built me some uh, customers, but I had to do the delivery and the collections. And that was my first uh, crash course in, in business, wow. was, was at five years old. And I actually did that all the way up, up, up to the time that I went to college. And worked in the business, and, uh, mm. and then of course I, I started a, a church about 25 years ago, and uh, and have just been having the time of my life. So I've had a very interesting, uh, diverse uh, life, you know, th- through growing up in the business world, and uh, and then launching out uh, in ministry, and 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 uh, I haven't seen a, a conflict with either one. Worked in different areas of the business, so mm. I've seen my own personal trajectory change, you know, from one type of thing to another to another. So it's it's been a great journey, though. But a great journey of change as well, because you've had a business background, now you, you have a religious background. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I tell people, you, you really don't have to uh, choose between God and money. You only have to choose which one you're going to serve. Mm. And uh, so uh, I, I made the determination a long time ago that I was going to serve God. And, and if I have a, cho- a choice of serving God uh, with serving God and being broke and serving God with money, I just choose to serve God and have a little money to be able to enjoy along the journey. And I agree with you. You know what? Life is so – being poor is so expensive, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> You know, you have a very unusual name, Bronner. So there was a psychic downstairs next to my office. I went to see her, and I said, you know, can you tell me what the name means? You ready? Yes. It says you can go to great heights and equally great depths. You're emotional. You're fixed in your opinions. You're hospitable. You're sentimental. You're often psychic yourself. You're sometimes moody. You're ruled by love and the lack of it. You feel a need to be encouraged and appreciated. You're seeking freedom, opportunities to enjoy life. 
Uh, I like this one. You're seeking to make love, mm. uh, to go places and to do things. You're very adventurous. You're willing to take risk to achieve your objectives. Is that you? Oh, a great deal of it is. Mm. <laughs> okay, next time you see me, you owe me ten bucks ninety nine cents plus tax. <laughs> Now, I read your book, Change Your Trajectory. And I've got to say, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, um, like some of my guests, uh, their books are often complex. But this one, you know, simple words, great meaning. Uh, they resonate with how I feel. But I wanted to ask you, there are hundreds and thousands of books on motivation, inspiration, managing ourselves and all that. Do we need a really another one? We do need another one because everybody do we need this has one? a unique story, and nobody can tell your story exactly like you can. Hmm. And um, I, 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 I look at a, at a, at a story as, um, as, as a bridge that you, I can share things from my heart, hmm. and it creates a bridge to another person's heart. And what's in my heart can then be transferred over that bridge into the heart of another human being. So it has been my experience and an experience in humanity because change is a principle of life. And principles are, are you know, are very few. Policies are many. Principles are few. Mm. Policies often change. Principles never do. But uh, the principle of change is that change is a constant of life. Change is, uh, it is inevitable. There's nothing that we can do to stop it, so we may as well prepare for it. Uh, it is just as certain as the change in our seasons, just like we go into fall, winter, spring, summer. We can't stop them from coming, but all that we can do is change how we adorn ourselves to be able to be prepared for the season that is coming. That's why I wrote the book. It's, um, I wrote it because every year in America, 20 million jobs are lost or restructured. And if people are not aware of that, that means that the jobs that they're on oftentimes can grow into obsolescence. And they will need to be able to be prepared, retooled, reskilled, and 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 uh, so that they can they can have that. And I tell people, don't kill yourself, skill yourself. You can't grow what's in your hand until you grow what's in your head. And so it's to stimulate people to start thinking ahead before they get there. If you wait until you need to be there in order to do it, uh, it's, it's entirely too late. And, and I look at our, a person having goals. Everybody has some goals of some sort, whether it's a personal goal uh, or a career goal, a relationship goal. They have some type of goal. But the problem is, is that the goals that we have are moving targets. They are not static. Mm. They're dynamic. They're moving, ongoing. And so it's, it's as though we're aiming a gun at that target. And if we aim at where the target is, by the time the bullet gets there, it will miss the target. So we have to aim ahead of it. And this is about changing the trajectory of where we are aiming. We have to aim ahead of the target, anticipating the, the speed of the thing that we are trying to hit, so that by the time it reaches there, that we'll hit it dead on head. So really, I mean, 
that's beautifully said. So if I was to sort of make it a little more concise, what you, the book will tell us how to be prepared, how to think ahead, and as an example, to be skilled and not killed. Absolutely, yes. So that's Absolutely. the unique selling point of this book. Yes, yes. You, you did that so succinctly. Well, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you guys are so good at motivation, inspiration, and things like that. So, you know, I, I can't match you guys. I'm going to call it How to Take Your Woman to Heaven and Back After Dinner and Before Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, just as long as it's more than a two-minute read. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Now, you know your book, you start off, and you have a great transition in the book. You start from a religious perspective, and then you sort of, it's almost like you move from heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. So my question to you, is this book for Christians only? Absolutely not, because Everybody experiences change. I don't care what what, uh, religion they are. They could be Hindu. They could be Islamic. They could be agnostic. Their life is still going to experience change. You graduate from school Mm. and go into the real world. That's a huge, major change. It's a major adjustment. You have to prepare for that. Getting married is a huge change. Getting divorced is a huge change. Your children growing up and you becoming an empty nester Mm. is a huge change. Retiring from a job is a huge change. Having an accident is a huge change. Being diagnosed with with an illness is a huge change. So this is a book that is for any person who's experiencing change on any level at every age, every, every uh, stage of life, it, it, it has its own unique challenges of it. It doesn't matter whether you're in your tender teens, your teachable 20s, your tireless 30s, your forcible 40s, your fearful 50s, your seasoned 60s, your settled 70s, your aching 80s, your nebulous 90s, or your prodigious 100s. Mm-hmm. Every stage of life has unique challenges, whether they are health challenges, financial challenges, relationship challenges, spiritual challenges, the challenges of the purpose of life, why we are, who we are, our identity, and all of these issues, things change. And so we have to be prepared for all of the changes of life. But do you find that in all of this, our parents experienced very similar changes? Why is it in this generation that are we becoming extra sensitive or are we sort of becoming extra or, or do we lack the sort of skill set to manage what our parents could manage? We need to be told how all the time. I don't remember my parents buying books on, on how to cope with changes, but they had similar changes. I mean, they had children growing up. Um, they had job changes. They, they, they moved neighborhoods more often. Right now, you get a kid going from one state to another state, and they go to go see a psychiatrist before they see a school. <laughs> uh, that, that is so true. I think the major difference mm. is in the speed at which change is occurring in our days. You That's see? true. Yeah. Uh, in the dark ages, you could go for a long, long period of time, and there was nothing significantly new. If you grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. life was the same, almost just you could grow up and live in that same town all of your life, and very little would change. Right. Now things, we, we, we live in a very transient society. 
the, the goal now is not to work for a company uh, for 40 years and retire with a gold watch. Mm. They keep you for five to seven years, get the best of your creative years, and then you're out of the door and, and wondering, what do I do now? What's my next move? Right. So change is happening at an increased speed now. I mean, look at how the technology changes in, in cell phones, in computers, just year by year. Every two years, we're, we're at quantum leaps in the technology mm-hmm. than what we had a couple of years back. The speed at which information travels now, how the world communicates. I mean, you can put something on social media now, and that message is around the world in a matter of nanoseconds. And years ago, if something happened in a town, it might have been weeks before you found out what right. happened, if you found out at that point. So. The the speed of change has happened uh, since the time of our parents and our day-to-day. And so when rapid change happens, Mm. it's like a woman when she's having birth. If she delivers very rapidly, it, 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 it oftentimes will cause her to tear, to rip on the inside in that birthing process because it happens too rapidly. When the body goes through contractions and warms up and and is preparing for that change over time, mm-hmm. uh, where the person is in, in labor for many hours, sometimes 20, 24, 36 hours, right. the body is not as prone to ripping or tearing as it is when sudden change happens. Some women, from the time that they get the first labor pain to the delivery is 30 minutes. So you're a These gynecologist the as well. They're the people that have the baby in, in, the, in, the, in the back of the car, on the bus, right. in a taxi, uh, because change happened too rapidly. And so we're, we're dealing with the rapidness of change in this day and time that no previous generation has seen before. Now let's go deep into your book. Uh, just to prove to you I've read it, I've actually dog-eared some of the pages, and I want you to sort of explain, uh, you know, sure. as succinctly as you can, what, what, you're, what, what, what you're trying to say. Um, On page 29, you say, these four things, adapt, improve, observe, connect, are fundamental approaches that will allow you to respond appropriately to change. Right. What what, what do you mean? Well, with these four things. As as we process, uh, the the, the moment that that change happens, Mm. the first order of the day is for us to adapt. But isn't shouldn't the first thing be realized that something has changed? <laughs> that is true. Because sometimes we don't want to see change. <laughs> I get up and I'm like, I'm get up like, oh God, damn, I'm married again. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. I, I do teach the principle that mm. awareness is the beginning of change. Okay. Awareness is the beginning of change. Right. Uh, and you're right. You can't adapt to a change that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so once you are aware of it, now you have to figure out, how do I adapt? How do I adapt so that the change that is happen- happening in my life doesn't break me? It's mm-hmm. like, like a storm that, that, that happens. Uh, you know, as hurricanes ap- approach America... Uh, it, the rigid, mighty oak, because it is unyielding, it won't bend. It'll it'll break. Mm. But the, but the the tenderness, the flexibility of a palm tree, is able to survive the storm because of its incredible ability to adapt okay. to the sudden environmental changes. So when things are changing around us, we have to adapt to that change 
so that we don't um, we're not destroyed. That's why if you fall on the ground, something is going to change. Either you will change and yield and, and adapt, or the pavement will adapt. And because the pavement is stronger than we are, we're the, we're the ones who adapt and end up breaking a bone. Okay, so what about improve, observe, and connect? That's the, that is the, the, the process as we go through change. Our whole idea when we're changing, we don't want to uh, change to something that is inferior or a worse condition that, that, we have, that we're already experiencing. So we want to improve, and that's why we, we adapt. We, we are aware of where we are. We're saying, how do I take this change and make the best of the situation? So we want to figure out, how do I improve this? And, and, and that's done, I think, through evaluation. You cannot improve anything that you've not taken the time to evaluate. We have to look at it and evaluate that thing. That's why feedback is the, is the breakfast of champions, so that we can figure out how do we improve this. Nothing in our life can be improved without taking the time to reflect and evaluate it. That's the improving process. We, it engages our thinking in a huge way. It engages research. It engages talking to other people. And that's, that's, that's why it brings us into the observation. We have to observe. Well, can I just interrupt you there? So can I just interrupt you there, sir? Sure, sure. Forgive me, uh, for I have sinned. But, <laughs> you know, when I first, and I, and I hate to be a pain, but I, I, I always tell my guests, and I told you this before, I come from a position of curiosity and ignorance, both of which I have a PhD in. <laughs> Right. So I talked about awareness and you accepted that. And then, you know, you said, OK, once you have that, you need to adapt. Then you yeah. say improve. Now, yeah. for someone who's lost their job as a, say, a janitor. Yes. And who necessarily can't. His first uh, priority is to get another job. Uh, obviously, he'd like to improve his skills. But if he or she cannot get a job higher up but has to move in parallel. So instead of a janitor, he's now, uh, let's say, a garbage collector. Okay. That's not necessarily moving up. It's a parallel situation. So instead of improve, wouldn't the, the second step be acquire? You're acquiring a new set of skills. Maybe not better skills. And to me, that acquiring those better skills is how I would further a breakdown of mm. the whole concept of improving. See, that improves the person. And, and that's why I teach the principle, work harder on yourself mm. than you do on your job. Okay. So that if you lose your job, you can get something that is better. And, and that's, that's the whole idea, is that before you lose a job, mm -hmm. start working on the skills. I believe in a personal growth uh, you know, process, a plan for your own personal growth where you're reading at least 20 to 30 minutes a day in something that helps you to grow, that you've got some relationships of some mentors that are in your life, people that are on a different level, that helps you to improve drastically to be able to get feedback and input from them. They can sort of tell you what, what things to be looking at so that when you do move mm -hmm. because of a loss of a job, you don't necessarily have to make a lateral move that you've worked on yourself to improve your skills, your knowledge base, uh, even your, your resource of the people that you know. Because 80% of the best jobs didn't just come from a person looking in one ads. It came by reference of a person that you knew. 
that then knew someone and they connected you into the, into the, the market that way. That's another way of improving, just improving your social relationships. And, and I don't necessarily mean online because mm. in cyberspace, some of those relationships are actually artificial. Right. Okay, so we've got adapt and improve. About, g- give me a quick rundown on observe and connect. Observing is about looking around to see what's in the world. It's about the research that you do. What opportunities are mm. open to me right now? What can I do? That's the observation stage where you are, you're researching, whether you're using the Internet to do that research to see what's out there. Before I tell people that to dream, I tell them, see then dream, then do, Mm. in that order. See something, observe first, see what the condition is. Let your imagination be engaged. It is the greatest gift that we have. Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge. So that's why we observe, because then an idea can come through our observation. That's what the philosophers of old did. They just observed reality. And then these they had these eureka moments. A light bulb turns on. Mm. So this is where we need to observe, because when you've had change, we need to take time to observe, what's my circumstances? Has anybody else been in a circumstance similar to mine? Right. And how did they handle it? What can I do differently so that I can keep this from happening again? Or how do I recover from this to put myself in a, in a better position? And then the, the, the connect idea mm. is, is about uh, connecting to the people, connecting with people that have the capacity to lift us to a, to a different level, you know. So basically, uh, networking. It is absolutely, right. absolutely. Okay. So absolutely. now, taking it forward, page fifty-eight. I didn't give my wife the book. <laughs> okay, because you say life's changes bring new passions, <laughs> and my life is changing. So should I leave her? <laughs> you you bring new passions into the old situation and you make it a new situation. So oh, okay. <laughs> and relationships are the essence of life. The only thing that we carry with us as we go places are the relationships that we have developed over over the uh, over the times. Right. As as you observe you oftentimes are introduced to things that you are passionate about because our passions lead us into our purpose. So we, we have to look, you know, it's, it's very difficult to leave from one thing that you love to do mm. without engaging a new passion. But you know that it's time to do that because what happens, what used to engage you begins to wane. So dissatisfaction is a huge precursor to change. So the thing that you used to be passionate about, somehow we we start becoming bored with that. So in the transition of change, we find ourselves discovering new passions, mm-hmm. things that come alive in us that 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 make life once again exciting and thrilling because it it really is a huge uh, pointer to our purpose in our life and is marked by the passions that we feel on the inside. So we can actually control during transition, trying to put in something that we are passionate about into the new destination. Absolutely, absolutely, right. because you're going to be, you will develop um, a really good um, 
ability in mm-hmm. whatever you're passionate about. I, I love to see people, whether in a restaurant working, who serve passionately, who make what they do fun. I mean, you have so much fun on the radio. I can tell that you're passionate about communication, about people, empowering people. Your, your passion, it, it shows, and it, it's, it's, and, and, and it, is, it is magnetic. It, you know, it, it's attractive to people. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, it always points us to something that we're going to be good at and that we're going to spend a lot of time doing. And the more time you spend at it, the better you become at it. Well, so, let me ask yes. you this. Page 59. Uh-huh. Right and bold, you say there are only two kinds of people in the world to me. People who know Jesus and people who need to know him. Yes. But you also said that the book is not just for Christians. That is correct. So isn't that a controversial statement of it in its own? It is, it is a statement of the purity of Christianity. Right. Every Christian mm. uh, believes that we have a great command, a great commission uh, from Jesus Christ to go out into all of the world and to make disciples of the world. Right. Just like every Islamic person that I know, they believe that Islam is the way, and they should follow their passion in trying to spread and increase the teachings of Islam in the earth. I, as a Christian, do the same thing. So a person needs to make that applicable to their own religion of what they find to be the way. But I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. and so my passion is is in knowing Jesus Christ and in making him known. Okay. That's very well said, sir. So page 75. Mm-hmm. See the world as it is, not as you wish it to be. Right. Okay. Now here, here's where you're different from all the other motivational guys. Because you're saying, see the world as it is. Yes. Uh, not as you wish it to be. And everybody else tells me in their books, you have to visualize your success before you achieve it. You know, uh, if you experience failure and the world around you sees you as a failure, then you cannot become a success. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, I found that very interesting. How yes. can I progress? Because I need to visualize. Yes. You know, I visualize yeah. myself like I'm scared to walk out of the door in the morning because I visualize myself as, you know, all these beautiful women sort of throwing themselves upon me and wrecking my <laughs> new silk suit. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's why I, I, I said, that's exactly why you have to see the world as it is and not as you wish it to be. The operative word, wish it to be. Wish there, it to there be. is a time to, mm. to use the power of visualization and seeing your future, absolutely. But prior to doing that, in, in terms of where we really roll up our sleeves mm. and get to work, we have to properly assess where we are. So that comes back to the four fundamental concepts of which I added the fifth one, which was actually the, the, the first one, which was yes, being aware. Awareness. And awareness. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So put, make sure you get me the royalties as well, please. <laughs> Moving on. You said on page 104, don't try to fix people, just fix the situation. Yes. Now here, isn't this corporate, in the corporate world, isn't this corporate suicide? Because every corporation has sales goals, right? Yes. Now, if I tell, if I come, if my team comes back to me and says, you know what, 
um, change your uh, sales goals in the way this this show is syndicated. Don't change yeah. us. <laughs> and I'm like, where'd you get that crazy idea from? Well, we just read the book, Bishop Dale Broner. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that's that's a great point. And here's here's how my my dad dealt with dealt with people. Mm. Um, here's the thing: you focus on the what. Right. My dad taught this principle that your job mm. is your boss. If you fail to do your job, your your boss will fire you. Mm. So there is a possibility for the person, uh, because there are some people, you know, when we really, if we're really honest with ourselves, we only have the power to change ourselves. So if shouldn't it be don't life, try to fix? Shouldn't it be then? <laughs> shouldn't it be don't try to fix people? Fix yourself. <laughs> Well, that, that, that is a much more accurate uh, statement, mm. but it is also, though, focusing is keeping your, your goal on, on the what, yeah. not, not here necessarily the who. We, we, we're trying to f- figure out what is it that I'm dealing with right now. Mm. See, who, who you are, and, and we do, we, we work on the self. That's why spend more time working on yourself than you do on your job. Right. But we have to still keep the what. The what is the vision. The what is where we're going. The what is the is the goal that is there to be accomplished. That doesn't change. If if think of it as as being a a, a young kid who's grown up in poverty, mm-hmm. and they're they're saying I, I, I want to get out of poverty. I've got to get out of here. Don't don't change the what. Right. <laughs> you know we focus on the what, not the who, because oftentimes you start looking at the who. And and we get into this uh, having a pity party. We start making excuses for ourselves. Well, I didn't have the same advantages as this particular person. I've experienced prejudice because of gender, because of race, because of class, because of all of these different parameters mm. in our world. Don't focus on the what. I mean, focus on the what. Don't focus on the who. Because there are always people that have negative circumstances that have this uncanny ability to rise above their circumstances. And so, but they, they keep that what, that I've got to get out of poverty. That's the forbidding, foreboding goal that, mm. that is, that's looming in their minds. I've got to get out of this condition. I've got to fix this. I've got to get another job. If you've been fired... The, 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 the goal now is to say, I've got to find employment. I, I'll work on myself later, but right. I've, got to get, I've got to get this, this done. Now, you know, you, you sent out some questions that you were coming on the show, and you asked your followers uh, if they had any questions. And, and uh, quite a few came back, and I want to pick two of them. Mm-hmm. And just give me what you think is the right response to their question. In order to change, with the first question, in order to change, how do you change your mindset? Oh. Very, very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it has to be reprogrammed with, with new thoughts, mm-hmm. um, with, with new people that, that come into, into your life. That, yeah. There has to be a plan. There clearly has to be a plan. Programming is done through repetition whether we are actually speaking that, I think that it should be written and spoken. And that is the programming process that we go through of, of really changing a person's mindset. It's, it's a difficult thing to change. It, it doesn't change overnight. 
It does not change overnight. It is a process. Change is a process, not an event. And if people think that they can just hear people uh, say something that is motivational, and, but they don't understand the cultural context that still is holding this person down, mm. that's a difficult thing. I mean, you've heard the story about the elephant being chained uh, when he was a baby to this uh, little two-foot right. peg in the ground, and he tried pulling against it, couldn't move it, and he becomes an adult. He's no longer held by the peg itself. He's held by the memory He's being held by the power of memory. That's how powerful a mindset is. It can hold you in a place, and until you learn how to change it, um, it it's very, very difficult to change. You have to. It's 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 the influence of other people that believe in you through encouragement, because as a part of of succeeding, you're right. going to fail in that process. And you know, in and my world. In my world, when I was changing, um, because I can I can understand that question because I, I I've been through a lot of changes in my life. I'm going to be asking uh, you about yours, but in answer to this question as well, and my input is, you know, what worked for me was, I guess, instinctively in your book, I was doing exactly what you were saying because one of the things that helped me change my mindset was realization. Uh, that there's no going back. I'd burnt my bridges. Yeah. The other thing yeah. also was fear. And I used yeah. fear very positively. And, you yeah. know, people say, oh, uh, you know, you're making money and things like that. And I say, you know what? I don't work for the money. I yeah. work for the fear of having no money. Wow. Wow. That's really good. Yes. Absolutely. Somebody give me an amen. <laughs> that is true. That is, that's really good. <laughs> so that was, that was where I came from. Now, the second question from uh, one of your followers was, how can one stay motivated to stay on the course of change? And this I always ask, you know, um, people like you. If I come to you on a Sunday, mm-hmm. I can fight a lion. You know, your, your preaching is, is very inspiring and, and, I'm, and I'm all set and I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. But how do I manage from Monday to Saturday? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, How do I stay great, motivated? That's a, that's a great, great question. Mm. I think it's it's defining the why you do what you do, okay, and and literally putting up a, a picture, a face. You know, for me as a father, um, I think about my children. If I give up, I give my children permission to give up. I give my grandchildren permission to give up. Mm. They motivate me to keep from from quitting. One of my mentors wrote an incredible book entitled, Lord, the people have driven me on. Mm. And so there's somebody who believes in you, somebody that you've inspired by the example of what you've done with your life that won't let you quit because this is not just about you. It's bigger than you. It's the people that you've inspired and motivated over time. Mm. You can't let them down now. You have the pressure of people who believe in you, who support you, and who are inspired by you that motivate you. You know, when mothers that get up and go to work, single mothers, they are working because they're trying to provide a better life for their children, not even for themselves. It's, it's, and, and to keep that picture on their mirror, um, on the refrigerator, someplace that oh, they you, frequent. You know, you're, you're hitting it home. You're really hitting home now because that's exactly what I do. Wow. And, and, yeah. and, and I have it on my mirror. I have it in my wardrobe. I have it on my phone. 
Yeah. Um, and sometimes yeah. in order to sort of believe in what I believe, I actually send out a post, hmm. not so that I get likes by people, sure. but sometimes when I'm writing it out, yes. it helps reinforce why I do what I do. Absolutely. And I know you were talking about my passion for the radio show. I love doing it. Yes. I was born to do the job. You know why? Because I spout simplistic opinion. I ridicule anyone who disagrees with me. I foster divisiveness, (laughs) cynicism, and a lower level of public dialogue. Effectively, I get paid to act like a (laughs) six-year-old. Now, now, we've got about 10 minutes. We've got lots to cover. So let's take a little break and, and, and talk about you. Okay? Okay. So I want quick answers on this one. Okay. Who do you admire? I'll tell you my answers too, but who do you admire? You know, my father is hmm. my hero. He really is. He's, my dad is my hero. Okay. My, and and he, he was a wise man. He, he didn't have me until he was, he was 50 years old when I was born. Right. Oh, he had wow. my younger brother at 55, my baby brother at 60. <laughs> He's got it going on. <laughs> now, you know who I admire? Who is that? My wife's husband. <laughs> so quickly now, <laughs> how do you relax, sir? How do you relax? Well, um, I, I will go out. I use physical activity. I like to get out in nature, to get away from anything that is man-made. So I go out on a trail and, and go jogging, bike riding. I'll go to the gym and work out. I love water. In fact, you, you, you mentioned... No, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. That sounds so great. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure your followers will say, oh, nice. I'm talking, how do you chill? <laughs> Give it to me, Bishop Dale. Give it to me. How do you chill? (laughs) You know, I I am honestly such a family-oriented person. I I chill with my family. I have a blast just being with them, the conversation that we engage, Mm. um, dialoguing, you know, over a meal, getting into their lives. That that is so much fun for me. I, I, I relax because it takes me away from the professional person that I am. So are you happily married? I am. Well, that feeling will pass. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's your favorite music? (laughs) Say that again. What's your favorite music? I like, um, you know, I I like just listening to, um, I like jazz music. I like classical music. I like gospel music. Um, oh my goodness, my this is not a diplomatic a United Nations interview. Give me something really juicy. Do you like Motown? <laughs> I like trekking. Oh goodness. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm old school. I mean, you know, I don't. I, don't, um, I, I like don't Big Luther. You like Big Luther? I love Luther. I, I love Luther. I love, I love James Canada Brown. Brown. James Brown. My favorite song, I'm a Sex Machine. I I believe that was made for me. (laughs) I love Stevie Wonder. Oh, yes. (laughs) What's your favorite food, sir? What's your favorite food? Um, I'm a a seafood lover. I love fish. Oh. I do. I love love, love fish. Mm -hmm. I love fish. And, and, and fruits and vegetables. My dad was a Oh, jeez. 
Yeah, his every answer's got to be politically correct. Oh my! No, goodness. I'm serious. <laughs> now, um, but, no, I, I am. I am. You know, I am a steak lover. I, okay, I, now I, we're talking. I'm, yes, give it to I, me. Man. I'm give a steak lover, but you know, I, I've, I've heard that that red meat is not the best for you. So I, have I no know, and and you know what? I love doing. You shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. Being bad ain't always good, but being good ain't always fun either. <laughs> you know? Now, what's your greatest indulgence? My greatest? Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, it's I that, is it? Oh. oh, sorry, you were clearing your throat. Sweet. I thought you didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have a terrible sweet tooth. Okay. I, I love sweets. And I love bread. You know, the, the most fattening things in the world. They sweets are the best, aren't they? There's just something about being naughty that feels so nice. <laughs> and wh- what's your greatest temptation? Oh wow! You know my my greatest um, temptation. Wow! <laughs> well, you know I, I have not thought about that. Mm-hmm. You haven't been on this show either, but you're right, welcome. Right, e- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, but you know. You know what's my greatest temptation? What's that? Being in love. I love being in love. Okay, okay. So what's yours? (laughs) That's a dirty laugh if I ever heard one. (laughs) Come on, Bishop Dale, you preach thousands of words every week. Right, you know, my my greatest temptation sometimes is to just stay in the bed. I, I I've, I've I've awakened sometimes. You know, that's a beautiful morning. one. Yep. I've, I've, and I I wake up sometimes on a Sunday morning, and I'll tell my wife. Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell her. What's the one thing nobody knows about you? Well, see, and then I'm in, I'm in a public forum now. Then they'll know it if I tell it. <laughs> but I, I'm a, I'm an extremely. The thing that most people don't know about me is that I'm I'm a I'm really a deeply shy person. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm almost I'm an introvert. I rebuild in solitude, right. not with people. So, but my life is so publicly lived that people find it hard to believe because I force myself. Outside of my natural personality, which is shy. Okay. Now, what was the last lie you committed apart from all the questions I asked you? (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what the last lie I, I said. Should I? Yeah, tell me. I told the wife I'm having salad for lunch. <laughs> well, mine was that I told her that I was fasting. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you've you got 20,000 uh, members, and obviously you have so many more uh, on, on, on the web. How do you prepare for a sermon? Because every week incorporates change. So every sermon has to be different. That is true. That is true. So how do you gauge? Because at the end of the day, church is a form of business where you're actually delivering a need to the needy. How do you determine what they need? 
you know, I'm, a, I'm an incredibly intuitive person. <clears throat> so when I'm around people, I'm, I'm doing one of those things. I'm observing. I'm observing. I, I observe humanity. Hmm. Because I've spoken in so many different countries around the world, I'm trying to find what's the human need that, that God has something to say, that there's a solution in his word that speaks to this particular need. I'm looking at people, whether they're in my own family, in my neighborhood, and th- just sometimes even through the counseling so what is the need you're seeing now? I mean, in the next few weeks, what are your sermons going to be about? If you uh, had to categorize changing your trajectory, it. Changing your trajectory, obviously. Right. <laughs> and, and using the Bible and correlating the two? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm a real purpose-driven person. Mm. I, I'm, I'm a legacy-minded person that is, is driven. That's part of the, the core of, of my ministry is helping to cause people to think about how do I want to be remembered? That's the, the point of origin. How do I want to be remembered? And then back up from there and start working toward that on a daily basis. Well, you say you're working on that. So let's talk about in your changing world, what have you yeah. failed on right now that you intend to succeed on later? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I have failed on is sometimes hiring the right person to do the job that is needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that I, I, I failed in that is because I, I believed a guy that I was interviewing who, when I asked him, what are your weaknesses, he was stumped. He gave the most pristine answers Which for was every what? question. <laughs> you know, and he he couldn't identify his own any failure or flaws in his own life. But is that the answer he gave? Yes, he said he couldn't he couldn't think of any, and so and it's like he was. Struck. Well, that's not a pristine response. <laughs> right, right, no, no, no. That one was. That's the only one that he failed on. Mm. That's what he. That was the one thing that he failed on. Right. And it and it it ended up being a cover up from a terribly flawed character. Right. So, that, but that was that was a mistake, an error in in judgment that I made in hiring. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes people think that if you have this knowledge and wisdom, and you you do all of these studies and making sure that people are vetted and checking references, and sometimes you can do that and still wind up with the wrong person, which creates the biggest mess in in in, in our world. Uh, every problem really is about a wrong person when it when it boils down to it. It's the, it's the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. doing the wrong thing. So that actually then leads me to say that in, in a world of change, you also need to be very quick in changing the people around you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because those people who are closest to you mm-hmm. determine your level of success. Wow. Fear is contagious. I've got a minute, so tell me more before we wrap up. <clears throat> Whoever is in your environment immediately mm. are the ones we adopt their 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 thinking, their 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 vision, their their attitudes. Those things are contagious. That's why every parent is concerned about the people who surround their children. Their influences indirectly, right? Absolutely, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And the worst thing that could happen to a person's life is to have somebody who is a lower achiever because they lower the bar of expectations for that person's life. Right. Wow. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, we've all got enemies and people who don't like us and things like that. And my mom has always said, you know, never hate your enemies. I said, well, that's why they're called enemies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now I've changed my philosophy and I just say, you know what, I don't hate my enemies, but I would unplug their life support machine to charge my iPhone. <laughs> Bishop Dale, it's been wonderful having you on the show. You were very, very engaging. Thank you so much for tolerating me. Where can we get your book? Oh, you can get my book at Amazon.com. They can get it at BarnesandNoble.com. They can simply go to ChangeYourTrajectory.com, or they can even go to DaleBronner.com. Thank you so much, Bishop. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Your comments and your followers are so very welcome on my Twitter account at VipJazzWall and my Facebook page, The VipJazzWall Report. Let me know what you think about today's show. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. I'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with more fascinating stories that fill our lives with the inspiration and information we so need to kickstart the week. I wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your family and loved ones. And until next Sunday, have a productive and a very happy week ahead.